We can sing that forever. God, you're so good. You're so good to me. Let's, um, before we uh, share from the scriptures, I want to take just uh, a moment. And uh, this is Memorial Day weekend. And I want to take a moment for us to reflect on that and think on that and, and uh, remember those who made that supreme sacrifice so that we have the privilege of worshiping the way we want, of living in a country of freedom. And so let's just take a moment and uh, reflect on that. Father, when we think over the years of people who, because of their love for you, for love of country, for love of the freedom to think and to be, we're thankful and we're grateful. And we would, Father, just take this time and this weekend along with, uh, with others around the country to give thanks, to show our appreciation through times together, through parades, through celebrations, to say thank you for that sacrifice. who serve today ready to put themselves in harm's way because of love of country love of God love of this family called America we're thankful for them and for their service we praise you and we glory in that in Christ's name we pray amen Turn your scriptures, if you will, to Galatians chapter 5. wanted to talk about that freedom this morning and the freedom that scripture speaks about. And uh, Galatians 5, and I want to look at verse 10 through 13, and then in the Galatians 6, I'll look at two things. All right, let's stand together for the reading of God's word. I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who has thrown you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Brothers and sisters, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, 
I wish that they would go the way and masculate themselves. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in sinful nature, rather to serve one another. And drop down to chapter 6 and verse 14. May I never boast, except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation, peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, even to the Israel of God. Lord, add his blessing to the scriptures. Please be seated. There was a doctor and an engineer and a politician. They were arguing which profession was the oldest. And the doctor said, you know, without the physician, mankind would not have survived. So mine is the oldest profession. And the engineer said, no, 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 not so. Before life began, there was complete chaos. And uh, it took an engineer to create order from chaos. The engineer was the first. And the politician says, but who created the chaos? I think that's apropos for today, don't you think? <laughs> Who created the chaos? I was sharing Wednesday night that uh, I had been listening to an old musical, Jesus Christ Superstar, and some of you remember that, some of you won't, it's a while back, but there's a place where Judas sings, and he said this, he says, did you mean to die like that? Was that a mistake? Did you know that your messy death would be a record breaker? Now today I want to talk about freedom because of this weekend and what it means to us and how the cross gives us the most sophisticated answer to the modern problem of freedom, of who we are in Christ. There's a popular song that's uh, going around today, it's been for a while, of Greenwood, and you know the song, everyone likes it, glad to be an American for at least I know I'm free, I'm free. And I won't forget the men who died who gave that right for me. What is freedom? That's what I want to look at today. What is freedom? Biblically, what is freedom? What does it mean? And people today define freedom as self-determination without limits. Self-determination without limits. It's doing whatever you want to do. Galatians is the number one book in the Bible that speaks to the subject of Christian freedom. It's about freedom. Paul says in verse 13, you're called to be free. Now, Paul planted the Galatian church. It's one of the churches where he ministered and he began that church. After he left, there came another group of teachers that were called Judaizers. Uh, the circumcision party is what they were called. And they taught that the entire Old Testament regulations plus circumcision was necessary in order to be saved, in order to be accepted by God. And when the Gentiles began to come into the early church, the early church was mainly people who had been converted from Judaism, from, from the nation of Israel. But the Gentile converts were not required to be circumcised or observe the Mosaic law. And the Jews didn't like that because circumcision was regarded as foundational to the Abrahamic covenant. It was a foundational mark. Jewish Christians, which were 
con- really, a lot of them, the, the, the very sincere, deep ones, were converted Pharisees. And they insisted that the Gentile converts had to be circumcised. They insisted. That's the way it was. Paul rips into them in verse 12. He rips into them. He, the word emasculate there that he's using comes from the Greek word meaning to cut away, to castrate, to amputate, with dripping sarcasm. Paul says, make yourselves eunuchs. That's what you want to do. Don't stop with circumcision. Cut it off. Cut it off. Go all the way. Castrate yourselves. Now, he's, he's angry. He's upset. We have a saying, what, what hill do you want to die on? What hill do you want to die on? Um, and those who peddle advice and package wisdom have this uh, saying, they say, pick your battles, right? Pick your battles. What do you want to fight? What do you want to fight about? When deciding to stand your ground or drawing a line in the sand, they say, pause and ask yourself, is this the hill I want to die on? Is it that important? Is this where I want to be? Paul here drew a line in the sand. He insisted that faith in Christ, faith in Christ was sufficient for salvation. That Mosaic law wasn't binding to the Gentiles. The circumcision party said, you must give to God a record of righteousness to be saved. But Paul said, "Uh -uh. no, 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 no. You have to receive of God a record of righteousness in order to be saved. The circumcision party said, believe in Christ, obey the law, and you'll be accepted by God. And Paul says, no, not at all. Believe in Christ, be accepted by God, and then you will obey the law. Two radically different approaches to Scripture. So Paul says, if you don't hold on to my gospel, my teachings, the things that I said to you when I formed the church, you know, my message, you'll lose this radical freedom that comes with the gospel. So how do you get this freedom and how do you keep it? First, you let the cross offend you. And then secondly, you boast in the cross. Two things, two things. Let the cross offend you. Crazy, right? Crazy. Let the cross offend you. So first, Paul says the whole purpose of the circumcision party was to get out from under the offense of the cross. Notice he doesn't say that they were trying to abolish the cross. They wanted to abolish the offense of the cross. So what is this offensive message? You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says that the Jews were offended by the cross because they wanted power. The Greeks were offended by the cross because they wanted wisdom. Now we see the same thing today. It's no different. First, there are people who are offended by the cross because they think what the world needs is more education, more wisdom. We need more wisdom here. These are the intellectuals. These are what back then were the Greeks. Education classes, as a general rule, have found the cross to be offensive. The elite, the educational elite, 
have found the cross to be offensive. Are you surprised at academia today? Their disdain for Christianity? Don't be. You shouldn't be. There's a visceral hostility to Christianity. It's still that way today. It was that way then. It's that way today. Not, not to Jesus, but to Jesus crucified. You understand? Not, their vis- this reaction is not to Jesus. For example, the guy by the name of Alfred Eyre, who was one of the greatest British philosophers, he said, the doctrines of sin and atonement, the cross, are intellectually contemptible, morally outrageous. Our own Bertrand Russell said, no one who is profoundly human, listen to what he says, can believe God would punish sin like that. They're offended. They're offended. They're threatened by this because Christians are people of the cross. We sang about it. We sing about it. We glory in it. We're people of the cross. They say, you're intellectually contemptible, morally outrageous. More than that, you're not even profoundly human. Think about that. How's that for a conversation? You know, with someone, you know, Thelma, you're contemptible. You know, I mean, seriously, seriously. Galen, you're not even human. You're just sitting over there, I saw you. Dr. Eyre, what do you think about the cross? I think anybody that believes in the cross and the doctrine of the cross is intellectually contemptible, morally reprehensible. That's not a good way to start a conversation with someone. Russell says, not human. Think about it. Not human if you believe in the cross. They're not just saying, I think you're wrong, let's talk. They're offended. They hate it. They hate it. And again, they don't hate the idea of Jesus. Again, listen to me. No, 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 no. The idea of Jesus, his teaching, a wise man, okay with that. That's good stuff. I mentioned Jesus Christ Superstar. I was listening to it, and I realized that they gave us a good picture of Jesus, who was a good man, who was a good man, a good teacher, but he believed his own press, and he got off the rails, got, got too big for his britches, and as a result, people started calling him Savior. The whole idea of Jesus Christ superstar is if he just stayed in his lane, if he just stayed to be a good teacher, everything would have been fine. Because in the beginning, Judas sings the very first song, all the good that you've done will soon be swept away. You've begun to matter more than the things that you say. See, that's the intellectual view. Jesus Okay, love him, love him. You want to love him, love him, that's fine. But as soon as you talk about him being Savior, as soon as you start about talking about crucifixion and the cross, that's intellectually contemptible. Contemptible. If you're paying attention, that's what's going on in this country today. Because the educated, the intellectual classes, think the real problem is lack of wisdom, lack of education. They're all about that. We don't have the the right politics. We don't have the right educational philosophy. 
What we need is more education, more wisdom. They love the idea of a teacher. You know, that, that, matter of fact, they'll say, you know, go to the, go uh, if you want to the, the Sermon on the Mount. Love it. Just love it. Be a peacemaker. Love it. Got it. Turn the other cheek. Ah, forgive everybody. It's all there. If we could follow his teachings, this world would be great. Be fine. That's what we need. We need wisdom. They're not offended by Jesus. They're offended by the cross of Jesus. The problem is not wisdom, the cross says. It's your heart. It's your wicked heart. People don't like that. Don't like that. Jesus, if Jesus had said, hey, your problem is basically you're just not good people. You're just not good people. You don't, you, you don't know the way to live. And so I'm here to tell you how to live, how to live your life. That's not insulting. That's not offensive. I mean, we like that stuff. But because Jesus came to die, he came to die. See, wisdom is not the problem. It's your wicked, evil heart, Jesus says. It's your corrupt nature. It's your sin nature. That's offensive to people. They don't like that. What? What are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? The cross is there to say that wisdom's not enough. Education is not enough. Intellect, being smart, is not enough. So who's right? Who's right? Intellectuals or the gospel? It's so obvious. And it's easy to prove, actually. There is such a division today. There's such a division today. There's this program that you need, or you need this program. We need to throw money at this, that program, or this idea, or that. Maybe a hybrid of everything. We put these things to. It's the wrong philosophy. It's the wrong, you know. You know. Do, do you know what the answer is? The answer is, if the human heart wasn't selfish, if the human heart wasn't wicked, wasn't full of self-interest, if the human heart never exploited people and exploited everyone, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter. The problem is not the system. The problem is not Democrats and Republicans. The problem is our heart. It's a sin problem that we have today. It's a sin problem. I love in verse 15, if you want to look at it real quick, he says, circumcision, uncircumcision doesn't matter. This doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. This philosophy, that, those things don't matter, he says. <laughs> he says, that's, that's the equivalent of whatever, whatever, you know. We get caught up in these things that really don't matter. All of a sudden, it's about the pastor, or it's, or it's about this, or it's about that issue, or it's about this color, or, or, or this thing. Paul says, what counts is, verse 15, have you met Jesus? That's what counts. Have you met Jesus? What counts, he says, is a new creation. It's a new creation. That's what counts. That's what's important. Have you encountered the living God? Has he done his work in transforming you and making you into a new person, a new creation? That's what counts. That's what's important. And I hope nobody misunderstands me when I say some of these things, but we didn't even need Jesus to give his wisdom. Frankly, read Confucius. 
Read, you know, Buddha, whatever, whoever. They basically just say the same thing as the Ten Commandments. Same thing. They say live honorably. Be honest. Honor your family. Love your neighbors. They all say it. They all say it. Pick your book. The problem was not wisdom. The Greeks wanted wisdom. The intellectuals say, if we can just get a plan, just get a philosophy, just get the right philosophy, get the right economic system. That's not the problem, the cross says. That's not your problem. If your hearts were okay, whatever. If you were all right with Lord Christ, you'd be all right. And we're offended. What the cross says is our hearts are so wicked and we're so selfish that nothing less than the death of the Son of God could save us. See, see what's happening here is the very presence of the Son of God on the earth is an indictment on us. The very fact that he had to come is an indictment. What's he doing here? Why did he come? So yes, the intellectuals, the educated people, the Greeks of Paul's day and today are offended by the cross because they think the problem is wisdom, and it's not. Let me tell you someone else who's offended. 1 Corinthians 1.1 talks about this. As Paul says, the Jews wanted miracles. The Jews were the, the people of the land, the common people, the people of the earth. Uh, the Jews, they wanted power. These are the average Joes, you know, the average Joes. They're, they're pretty cynical, bunch of people. Um, what they believe is some people are good and some people are bad. It's just the way it is. Hey, work harder. You got to work harder. You got to be a good citizen. You be a good father. Be a good mother. Do, you know, you, hey, you know, keep your nose clean. That's the end of it. Just yeah, take care of it. That's what you got to do. That makes the world a better place, right? It makes the world a better place. The real problem is all these bad people out there. There's not bad people out there. Not uh, there's bad people out there. They're, they're selfish. They're criminals. They they hurt. They're, you know they're violent. That's the problem. Come on, man. It's the problem. It's the problem. And the cross is foolish to the common person. Really, it's foolishness to the common person, and I'll tell you why. The cross says there's no difference between the good and the bad. No difference. Isn't that the gospel? If you're really living a moral life and this person over here is down in the gutter and this person over there is in prison and another has done terrible things and terrible deeds, when it comes to your relationship with God, no difference. We all need the cross. We all need the cross. Romans 3, 22. Great place. Romans 3 is a great, great chapter. It says this, The righteousness of God, which comes by faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe through his blood, for there's no difference. Right there. Right there. We all need the blood. We all need the cross. We all need... No difference, Scripture says. Well, what's the message of the cross of Jesus Christ? You take three people and you 
take them out to New York and you put them in the harbor in New York. They're going to say, now we want you to swim to France. We want you to swim over to France. One of them can't swim. One is a pretty normal swimmer, like you and I probably. There's another who is an Olympic gold medal swimmer. And uh, one will probably drown within 50 feet. The next one will probably drown within, uh, you know, maybe a mile, maybe two miles. And the other will go 150 miles. But they're all going to drown without a rescue boat. Therefore, there's a sense in which one is a 150 times better than the rest of the other swimmers. There's another sense in which they're all doomed. They're all doomed. No difference. The same. The cross says, some of you are better than others. Some of you are good, good fathers. They're good mothers. You're, you, you control your appetites. You're, you're not crazy about it. So you're, you're, you're a good citizen. That's the way you are. But when it comes to seeking God, when it comes to God and, and coming close to Him, seeking to be good, Loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Loving God with everything you had. Um, you're all going to need the rescue boat of the cross. All of you. You all need the cross. That's what he's saying here. Some will get 150 times more along the way. No one's going to come close to God. That's the message of the cross. And people don't like that. The average person says, that's reprehensible. You're telling me, and I'm a good guy, I've, I've done nothing in this life. You're telling me that in the end, some murderer, even on death row, I mean, let's, let's mass murder, let's, let's kick it up. On death row, all he has to do is receive Christ before he dies, and he'll be accepted. He's in the same boat as me. Is that what you're telling me? That's crazy talk. And then people say, you know, if that's your gospel, stuff it. Stuff it. That's stupid. Remember, remember the old Fort Lauderdale question from years ago? If you were to die tonight and God were to meet you and say, why should I let you into my, my heaven, what would you say? Now, if we answer that in the first person, immediately we're wrong, right? We're, we're wrong. Uh, you, you say, well, because I, because I, I believe, because I, because I, I, because I'm this or I'm that. The only proper answer is in the third person, and that's because he. Why should I let you in heaven? Because of Jesus. Because of he. That's the only right answer. There's a sermon that was given, I think it was, I'm not even sure it was Alistair Begg, but I think it was, but he had, uh, uh, I believe it was him, but he, he gave a, a, preached a sermon at Baylor University years ago, and I just want to share it with you because it speaks, speaks to this, and Corinne, um, I, uh, I use this at, at, at your sister's uh, going home time. But he says in the sermon, he says, think about the thief on the cross. Now, you, you all say, well, when I get to heaven, I want to go, I want to see Peter. I want to see, I want to see Paul. I want, 
I'd like to see this guy. I want to look him up. You know, who's, who's this guy? And I want to ask him, this guy, um, how did all that shake out for you? You know, there you are on the cross with, with the Lord. How does all that shake out with you? Because you were cussing Jesus out with these other guys. You're, you're just cussing them out there on the cross. You, you, you'd never been in a Bible study. You never got baptized. You didn't know nothing about nothing. You didn't know nothing about the church membership. And yet, you made it. How come? How come? How did you make it? How? And I, and I'm, I think about the angels, uh, Beg says here, that the angel must have said, you know, like, uh, what are you doing here? Why are you even here? You know, what are you doing here? And he said, well, I don't know. I don't know. He said, what do you mean you don't know? What are you, what are you doing here? He says, well, I, I just don't know. And he says, well, excuse me, I got to get the supervisor. So he gets the supervisor angel. He comes over. He says, just a few questions. He's got his clipboard. And he says, first of all, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? And the guy says, I never heard of it in my life. I don't even know what it means. I don't know what it means. Check. And the guy says, are you, are you, uh, next question, are you familiar with the, the doctrine of Scripture, the Word of God? And the guy's glassed over. He's just staring looking around, you know, says, and he says, yeah, no, I, 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 I don't know. I don't, I don't know anything about that. And, and eventually, in frustration, the angel says, well, on what basis are you here? On what basis are you here? And he says, the, the man uh, on the middle cross said I could come. That's the only answer, people. That's the only answer. If I take my eyes off the cross, trust my experience, my goodness, my fallenness, I begin to live as if my salvation depends on me, what I do, my pride. You know, I can figure this life out. I'm 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 a smart guy. I can figure. I can do. I do what I. You know, I, I'm 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 doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. You know, there's a song that we sing. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God, the just, is satisfied to look on Him and pardon me. You see, the cross is so democratic. <laughs> it, it is. It offends everybody. The cross offends everybody. The, the, the elites, the common people, the religious, it offends the left, it offends the right, it offends the old, the young, everybody. For there's no difference, Scripture says. There's no difference. You can't put Christianity in these categories and say, it's this or it's that. It offends everybody. Paul said, if you want to be free, Get back to freedom. If you want to be free, you have to see the offense of the cross. The cross says you're saved by grace alone. It doesn't matter your situation. It's absolute mercy, complete charity, and you can do nothing to merit it. Nothing. And once you realize that, and you accept the offensiveness of the cross, then is when you begin to boast in the cross. 
you begin to glory in the cross and the joy of what that means. No one can stay neutral at the foot of the cross. You're in or you're out, you know. The cross will either deeply offend you or it will transform you. That's it. You will either be offended by it or your glory in it. It will become the transforming center of your life. It will change your life. Now listen to me. If you're not deeply offended or if you're not transformed, that can only mean you don't get it. You don't get it. You don't get the power of the cross and what's happening here. If you value your soul, understand it. Understand it. If you go to the book of Mark, I'll just give you, now I can go a lot of places with this. Peter thought what it took to be a Christian was to serve Jesus and do what he says. And we, I think that's a pretty good thing. Serve Jesus, do what he says. That's what Peter says. And then Jesus says to him in the ninth chapter in verse 1, he says, I want you to know, Peter, I have to die. I have to die. I have to be tortured and suffer and die. And Peter rebukes him, right? What are you talking about? That, 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 that's not in the script. And he's offended. He thought just being good and serving Jesus was enough. And Jesus says, no, 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 I got to die. I got to die. Peter did not understand that salvation has to be purely by grace and the grace of God. And until he was offended by the cross, he couldn't boast in it. You have to be offended by the cross and understand that and what it means to, be, to boast in it. Okay, so what does it mean to boast in the cross? It means a simple thing. I accept that. I accept that. When Paul says in verse 14 of our passage today, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of Christ. This is my dad's life verse right here. I'm passionate about it. God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of Christ. What he means is the cross is everything. The cross is everything. Uh, Everything he intends to be, everything he hopes to be, everything that he is, it's the center of his life. And what he pours over, it's what he thinks about, it's, his, it's, his, it's, it's the ground zero of his life. Uh, boasting in the cross. I, the story about three boys that were boasting about their dads, and one little boy said, my dad's so fast, he's, he'll shoot an arrow at the target, and he gets there before the arrow hits. And the other little boy said, well, my dad's so fast he can shoot a rifle at a deer and he gets there before the animal hits the ground. And the other little boy says, my dad's got both ears beat. He gets off of work at 4 o'clock and gets home at 3.30. <laughs> I got some pictures real quick. Give me that first picture. There's Diane Woods with her fish. She doesn't know where I'm going with this. Now she's frightened. Big fish, right? What is that, Diane? It's a marlin? I know it's a salmon. I'm kidding you. Salmon. I've never caught a fish like that in my life. Next picture. 
visiting. They're visiting, the two of them right here, up from that hot Texas weather. That is how many pounds, Daniel? 14-pound bass. We don't have those up here. We don't have those up here. 14-pound bass. Um, You brag about that? <laughs> this is the crunch time. <laughs> you brag. Give me the next picture. They're not alone. Here's a couple of elders. Here's a couple of our elders. They got out on the boat and they got some fish. You know. No, you, you see, you gotta you gotta understand scripture. This, you, you think when the disciples threw their nets over the side of the boat and pulled all those fish out, they weren't ecstatic. Oh, look at this. Look what's happened to us. Look what we got. Look at all. There's things we rejoice in and we're happy in, and this is a great thing. And what they, you know, those, those fishes are amazing. They're amazing. But that's not the center of their life, right? That's not the center of life. That's God's creation. And He says, Enjoy my creation. Enjoy what I give you. Enjoy those things. Go out into, into this world and, 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 and great catch. Great catch. Honor one another. Encourage one another in this world. Pray for one another. Be happy for one another. You know, watch over this world. Subdue this world. There's, there's differences here when we look at this. Um, so, uh, actually, I just let you people off the hook. <laughs> okay, okay. Are you people proud of your children? Uh, what they're doing, their education, where, where the Lord's taking them? Of course you are. There's boasting and there's boasting. There's a difference in Scripture. There's a big difference. We're proud of one another. We rejoice in one another. And all these things, it's just... just um, and we cherish each other. Now, Paul says... I don't want to boast on anything else in his life. Because if you boast on anything else, you're not free. Now, what does he mean by that? That's bigger than fishing. I'm not talking about that at all. I just wanted to show you the fish they caught. And I, and I, and I put it in the sermon. <laughs> if you boast in the circumcision, if you boast in the law, your pedigree maybe, your professional success, your material things that you have, approval of other people. You're not free. It's not about that. You're not, you're not free. You can boast in your figure. And some of you should, you know. Uh, but it's going to go away. See, that's the point of all this. It's all going to go away. Don't laugh at me. You can boast in your accomplishments, Right? Boast in your accomplishments. You might fail next week. You might lose your job next week. Someone's going to come around that's better than you, bigger than you, does better than you, can handle these things. Don't you see? God forbid I should boast in anything else but this. Anything else but this. The Christian is somebody who says the cross is the center of my life. So all these other things that happen, I might be a great musician. I might be, fine. But I can lose that in a second. I can lose all this stuff in a second. Gone. 
If you can work through that, you'll start to feel freedom. I don't have to be the best pastor in the world. I just have to honor him. I don't have to worry about those things. That's the reason Paul is able to say, may I never boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ through whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. There's your freedom. There's your freedom because the world doesn't have anything that I need. You understand? It doesn't have anything that I absolutely need. I'm free to confront the world. You know, we got a song that we sing in our small group, Give Me Jesus. Give Me Jesus. The intent of that song is this world's passing away. That's the intent of the song. In the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. When I am alone, give me Jesus. When I come to die, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Why? Because when you die, that's it. That's all there is. Glory in that. Glory in the cross. Glory in the cross. All these things God gives to us are wonderful. You know, the, 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 the beauty of creation, I mean, he, he, he wants us to enjoy all this. When we come to die, make sure you have that. Make sure you have that. A Christian who understands the cross looks at people out there, even, even one another. We look at one another in the body of Christ. We can't feel superior to anyone either. I can't feel superior to you. Or to someone else, or to someone that's even, you know, look at these horrific pictures on TV of these poor individuals whose lives are, are shells. There's no difference. There's no difference. The cross changes your hearts. We're in the same boats. We're in the same boat. And you don't think of worldly categories anymore. You don't think like that. God forbid that anyone should glory save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ by which the world is crucified to me and I to the world. And I'm dead to the world and the world is dead to me. What does that mean? It means what it says. Paul says, I'm above that. I'm up here with Christ in glory. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for the power of Scripture. We're thankful for this message, Lord. We recognize that it's, 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 it's bigger than what we know. That is, is the message of transformation in our hearts and our lives. It places us before the Almighty. We recognize, Father, that this freedom that we have is freedom in Christ. I guess, Lord, the bottom line is give, give us Jesus. Give us Jesus. Make him the center of our hearts, the center of our lives. Our purpose, to live for him, to glory in him, to love his cross and what that means, that he died for us that we might have the forgiveness of sins 
and usher us into the very presence of the Father. And for that, we give you thanks. And we glory in that. We boast in that, that we belong to him and that we are his children. And for that, we give you thanks. In Christ's name, amen.